Welcome back into Cleveland Sports Weekly, episode three today. I'm your host, Jake Heyer. It is Tuesday, August 17th, 2021. Hope everybody had a great weekend. Rain finally cleared out for the weekend, but of course it is back here today with Hurricane Fred coming through our area at this point. So, uh, well, Tropical Storm Fred. We got a lot to get to today. Obviously, the Indians are a topic that we're going to cover, but we have to get to Brown's preseason game number one. Browns won 23-13, to 13, and I'll tell you what, it did not look like preseason game number one. I thought we looked incredible. I mean, for starters, we didn't have like anybody playing, especially on the offense. The only starter on the offense playing was realistically Donovan Peoples-Jones who's had an incredible camp and everyone's mapped that out. But none of our offensive lines started. Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, uh, Baker Mayfield, Odell, Jarvis, none of them started, none of them played. And then Austin Hooper didn't play, David Njoku didn't play, Harrison Bryant didn't play, like n- nobody on offense. Rashard Higgins and Donovan Peoples-Jones were the only two that really started on offense. And on the defense, I mean, you had Denzel Ward out, uh, Troy Hill, John Johnson, Anthony Walker, Grant Delpit, Miles Garrett, Jadavian Clowney, a bunch of names on the defense as well did not play. So it, it was a good look. We got a really good look at the guys on the back end of our roster. They played a lot. A uh, few guys who really showed out and a guys who never really showed up. So we'll, we'll get to that a little bit later. Uh, right now, I do want to do my player spotlight. So number one on my player spotlight, guys who I thought performed pretty well in this game and showed a little bit of, hey, coach, I'm, I'm here to play. Uh, Demetric Felton, first of all. So Felton had four catches on six targets, and he also uh, had kick return duties. Um, ended up with about 44 yards receiving, and I thought he did a nice job running routes and catching the ball. Something that I thought was interesting was he wasn't used out of the backfield one time. Now, we had quite a few carries in the game, but Demetri Felton didn't get one. And out of UCLA, that was his thing. Is he going to be a running back? Is he going to be a slot receiver? Is he going to be a wide receiver? What's he going to do for us? Well, a lot of people had him uh, imagined as like a guy who could be our number three running back and then also split out to the slot or something and catch the ball. It's kind of be like a Duke Johnson for us this year. Well, Kevin Stefanski was asked basically that question in his uh, conference the day after the game, the next morning, and here was his answer. You know, we've had some early discussions on that, Scott, and I think we'll see how the week goes. He certainly, uh, we know he can do both. And at some point, yes, we want to get a look at him uh, at that position. But I'm not ready to say that it will be this game. In my opinion, that's good to hear. I think he can really excel at that position. He is a very shifty guy with good speed and just getting him the ball, getting the ball in his hands. He could be a difference maker on this team. So I, I liked what I saw from him. Number two on my list on offense has to be Davis. I mean, an insane touchdown catch along with uh, three other catches ended up with 56 yards to go with that touchdown. And he showed that he can be a difference maker on the receiving core as well. So uh, I think he definitely edged out Jamarcus Bradley, uh, maybe even Kaderil Hodge uh, on this team. He's only been here since July 31st. They actually told a pretty cool uh, little story on the broadcast during the game about how he was on the practice squad for Minnesota 
and Kevin Stefanski obviously knew him from back then. That was back in 2019. Well, apparently when they were looking at bringing him in, they showed the receivers on this team a video of him from college where he caught a ball one-handed, basically an insane catch, and they went crazy, and then they kind of explained how they basically repeated that in the game on Saturday. As for the defense, obviously JOK was the one who showed out the most. He made a ton of plays. He was all over the field. He looked really fast and easily provided the most energy in the game, I believe. He ended up with eight tackles, including a sack, three tackles for losses. And on top of that, he did all that while missing the beginning of training camp with COVID. So he's obviously not seeing any lingering effects of not being able to breathe or something like that. That's a good sign. He was all over the field. It was crazy to watch how much faster and quicker he was than some of the other guys on the other team. And that's another thing. We were playing our twos and threes against like their ones and twos. So we, we did an incredible job. Our, the back end of our roster did a really nice job of competing against some of the better talent uh, for Jacksonville. All right, and last on my list for uh, the player spotlight is Richard LeCount, who had the interception. He had a few passes defended, and I thought he looked pretty good. Uh, maybe lacking a little bit of speed, but could just be sore legs, uh, tired legs from beginning a train camp, training camp, and things could get better as the year progresses. But I thought he did a pretty good job as well. So the four players on my player spotlight, once again, JOK and LeCount on defense, and Demetric Felden and Davion Davis on offense. So great job, once again, by the Browns. Uh, some of my lowlights, guys who I thought I could have seen more from. So Jacob Phillips was one of them. I thought he missed a couple tackles that he should have made. I thought he should have been a little bit more of a leader on the field. I, I just wanted to do it, see a lot from him. I thought in his second year he was going to take a huge step, uh, not only as a linebacker, but like I said, as a leader and take over this uh, defense whenever Anthony Walker is not on the field like it was on Saturday. So I, I just wanted to see more from him. Also, Mac Wilson obviously out with an injury, but with all the talk on, about him in training camp, we really wanted to see him play. I thought Greedy did an okay job. I thought he could have been a little bit more aggressive. Uh, I mean, he's fighting for his job right now because there's a lot of good talent in the secondary and there's no guarantees that he's going to be on this team come September. To be honest, I thought he could have definitely played a little bit better. And then getting back to the linebackers, I thought Elijah Lee did a little bit of a poor job in coverage mostly, but I thought his run-stopping ability, I thought he was slow. Um, I thought he did a pretty poor job as well. I thought he could have, I, I thought he could have definitely improved our defense. Nothing really happened with it. So on the injury front, Mac Wilson left the game early with a left shoulder sprain. Uh, MRI revealed it was only a grade one sprain, so he'll be able to be back here really soon. Uh, just a couple days out and then back on the field for him. I doubt he'll play in the next preseason game, but that is yet to be seen. Also, Steven Carlson uh, left the game with a knee injury. That turned out to be a little more serious. He will look probably to miss the rest of this year and come back next year. He'll have surgery. At some point, he's meeting with more doctors to find out more. And then another IR placement for the Browns, Ryan Switzer, who caught the second touchdown pass of the night in Game 1 preseason. 
He is out with a foot injury, no timetable yet, no injury reported yet, realistically. Uh, we have no idea what's going on with him. So all we know is he's going to be out for an extended period of time, but that's not a huge deal. We kind of assumed he was going to be a practice squad guy, maybe get cut and go play for another team at some, for, at some level. So uh, nothing really huge uh, coming out there. That being said, we're lucky we didn't have a devastating injury when Tim Tebow threw that vicious block. If anybody missed it, it's all over YouTube. Go check it out. It's it's pretty nasty. It's pretty gruesome. I'm just kidding. It, it was an awful block, and it, it it's pretty comical. You should still check it out. It's 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 pretty funny. Tim Tebow will never play in this league, so uh, ever again. I promise that. He, there's no way he can compete at this tight end level. I thought it was hilarious uh, when I saw that block, and I, I just kept remembering all these videos that I saw on Twitter and stuff about Jaguars fans. Look how jacked up, look how beefed up uh, Tim Tebow is. It, it doesn't matter. Just watch, watch the video of the block, and it, you'll laugh for about five minutes straight. It's, it's really funny. Uh, terrible block. But in other news... The Browns did cut a few players today. Three players got cut today. Uh, along with those three players, the additions to the IR made them uh, made their roster swell down to the 85-player mark, which they had to get to today. So of the cut players, we have Cordell Iwagwu, Iwagwu, Cordell Iwagwu, who was an offensive lineman, uh, Montreal Meander, who was a linebacker, and then last but not least, Keandre Thomas, who was a defensive back. So those three guys are officially off the team, and we will work forward from there to find out who is still left. But... As for some of the notable names that I maybe didn't reference yet or talk about, so Greg Newsom, I thought he had a really, really good first game as a professional. Uh, really covered everybody pretty tightly, made a couple really good breaks on, on uh, receivers that balls never really got thrown, but I noticed uh, how quick he was able to cover ground and get to a receiver that he maybe fell off of because he's running behind another defender or something. I thought he was very impressive. Porter Gustin and Jordan Elliott, I thought they had pretty decent games. Jordan Elliott being a set, being here for a couple years now, I thought he was going to take a bigger step up. I thought he was, I don't know, a little winded after uh, the first few possessions and everything, the first few series. I thought his conditioning would have been better considering the fact that basically the entirety of the Cleveland Browns' second uh, string played for about 75% of the game uh, outside of a few guys. I mean, Taki Taki seemed like he was on the field all night. J.O.K. seemed like he was on the field all night. Uh, Jacob Phillips, Elijah Lee, those guys, all the, all of them seemed like they were on the field for basically most of the game. Uh, also, Tommy Togiai, I thought, did a pretty decent job. Didn't hear much of his name at all, but uh, I thought he did a good job holding his own uh, in the trenches. And then also James Hudson, I thought he did a pretty nice job. And Kevin Stefanski spoke on what he did, and I thought it resonated with me considering the fact that they didn't 
really give up any sacks or anything. They had one sack on 44 snaps. I thought they did an awesome job, the offensive line, uh, all of them backups. And here's what Kevin Stefanski had to say on James Hudson. Yeah, Dan, I thought James did a nice job for his first night out there. It, uh, it wasn't perfect. Uh, it was pointed out to him that it wasn't perfect. And, you know, I think Coach does a great job of, of being very clear uh, with those guys of what he expects in terms of technique. Uh, I thought James had some nice moments, some moments I know that he wants back. He played both sides of the line for us. So he's somebody that we're going to continue to grow. And the kid, uh, he wants to work. He really wants to be coached. So that, that's always a good thing. And if you listen to Kevin Stefanski's uh, press conferences and interviews, that's the word he used most was perfect. Um, nobody was perfect, but everybody had work to do. He says that constantly throughout every answer he has, basically. So he definitely has a mindset on what he's looking for, and he's going to do his best to get those guys ready to put it out there uh, the way he wants to see it. Browns are getting ready to go this week against the Giants. They'll actually host uh, inter-squad practices with the Giants in Berea. And then on Sunday, the 22nd, they will play against each other. The game starts at 1 o'clock. So we have a day game, which is nice for us who don't have to stay up until God knows what time to finish up this Browns game. But it'll be really interesting to see the second time around who we have out there, and maybe a few more guys in action that we really, really want to see on the field, Baker Mayfield included, Jarvis Landry. Uh, I doubt Odell Beckham will play at all this preseason, but maybe Grant Delpit gets out there, uh, Denzel Ward, Miles Garrett, Jadavion Clowney. Maybe they see the field a little bit on Sunday. As for the Indians, still struggling a little bit. They are currently 57 and 60, now three games below 500 after the loss last night. Five to four in 10 innings to Minnesota. Another tough one for the Tribe. So currently my highlight of the week was from Sunday's game against Detroit. Tristan McKenzie was perfect through seven and two-thirds innings. He gave up a single to Harold Castro on his 100th pitch of the day, but his career high 11th K it uh, ended the inning to the next batter. So he got through eight innings with 11 strike, uh, 11 strikeouts and then one hit, no walk and class a finished out the ninth with a one, two, three inning. So uh, on top of that, the offense scored 11 runs uh, against Detroit in this one. So everyone with an at bat had at least one hit, most players, a lot of them had two. We actually had six guys with multiple multi-hit games. Uh, they were Miles Straw, Ahmed Rosario, Jose Ramirez, Oscar Mercado, who's had a really good second half of the year, and Owen Miller and Austin Hedges. All, all six of those guys had multi-hit games. Ahmed Rosario also had a multi-hit game last night in the loss to Minnesota, but. Finally, uh, the biggest news in that game was that that was the final game against Detroit this year when Miguel Caprera did not hit his 500th home run against the Indians. Uh, In my opinion, just another depressing anecdote for the last year that the Indians are the Indians and another black mark on the season for us being one of the worst seasons in Cleveland Indians history. Well, I don't want to put it that way. We've had some pretty terrible seasons. But when it comes to the offensive production, uh, it's it's definitely been a rough one for the Indians. All right, so some of my thoughts on the past week. 
I'm not really sure how I feel about Tomorrow Hale. He's made a few decisions in my mind that I just I don't understand. Uh, against the Athletics, there was a moment where he pinch hit uh, Andres Jimenez uh, in a key moment for Ernie Clement, who has been actually swinging it pretty decently lately. And Andres Jimenez, I mean, he's he's been god-awful this year. Uh, he has reached base a couple times in the past few games, but then to pinch hit for Andres Jimenez, uh, pinch hit for Ernie Clement with Andres, with him, is just late in the game with runners on. Uh, it was a tie game at the moment. I just, I, I couldn't agree with it. And that was right after Hedges bunted the first pitch after watching a four-pitch walk. He went up there and took took the first pitch uh, and bunted it. And I don't know that that's just bad baseball right there. You don't you don't swing or bunt at the first pitch after a four pitch walk. I mean that's that's little league stuff right there. Also, I, I felt like trusting Trevor Steven with the A's after giving up the three runs to come back out and then hold him. I thought that was just a ridiculous thing to do in my opinion. I don't I don't know why you would wait that long and just allow him to give up so much when he's obviously struggling he's having a hard time finding the zone and when he is finding the zone it's kept the ball's catching a lot of it and it's it's usually a fastball or a hanging slider that just gets destroyed because guys know what he's throwing he, he when he throws the slider for a strike it's it's directly over the plate and all he's got outside of that is a fastball so guys are geared up for that and they they, they made him pay for that and Nick Wickring gave up the, got the loss last night. Uh, he hasn't been pitching that great as well. Um, here's what I can say. For the week ahead, the Indians have a pretty decent schedule and a pretty fun schedule, in my opinion. They have uh, Minnesota for a three-game series. Uh, st- started yesterday. They have a game today and then a game tomorrow. And then they have an off day on uh, Thursday where they'll head back home to play the Angels in a three-game weekend series with another day day off on Monday. So as for pitching updates, uh, which, by the way, with better pitching from Tristan McKenzie and Cal Quantrill lately, it's worth noting that the offense is coming around and both Savali and Bieber are also making progress. And we still have a shot. I mean, we're still only like 11 games back at this point. Um... And 50-something games left in the season, I believe. I, it's just, we, there's not a lot of time, but it's still possible to make the playoffs. Obviously, it's a long shot at this point. But we have the pitching that if Savali can get back in a hurry, and then it, long shot, but if Bieber can get back on the team before the end of uh, September, maybe we can make a run at making a postseason uh, spot. Right now, though, Savali is set to make a two-inning simulated start. That is going on today, Tuesday. He is doing that. And if things go well, he could be back on a rehab assignment, hopefully with the team by early September. Uh, That that would be, like, best-case scenario. Bieber, on the other hand, he just got to a bullpen session, only threw 20 pitches. They were all fastballs. I just don't see him coming back this year. Uh, Even if he did... I feel like we'll be too far out of it that it's not. there's no point in doing it and risking more injury or more damage to that shoulder. So shoulders are very tricky with pitchers. I mean, that's their livelihood right there. I mean, the arm connects at the shoulder, and that their arm is their livelihood. So next year, as long as everyone can stay healthy, maybe the Guardians 
will be back on track for playoff baseball. But that is next year. That doesn't help us out this year. And I, I the, being the last year of the Indians, it, it is pretty disappointing that it is kind of coming to an end. So it is pretty disappointing that it's coming to an end to this degree. I'm not very fond of what's happened over the past, uh, especially. I'm not very fond of what's happened over the past past couple months, uh, especially since Tito's been out. And there's obviously things that they need to work on, but I'm sure they'll figure it out. Hopefully, hopefully next year we are back on track to be a playoff contender because I see this team definitely making strides forward, and I don't want anything to get in the way of that. I I I, I think there's a lack of energy and excitement on this team, which also will maybe get a boost once Josh Naylor is back in the dugout. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, next year could be a lot more exciting. This was a tough year. Uh, there weren't a whole lot of expectations this year. Obviously, we had the lowest salary in the league and everything and all that. But, I mean, we have the team that realistically could get us into playoff contention we have a team that can realistically win some games in the playoffs whether they can win the whole thing I don't know there's still some question marks but we are moving forward that is the that is definitely a plus all right Cavs summer league action ended yesterday they played their fifth and final game they finished the summer league two and three the biggest news out of that which I'm just going to hit real quick is that Evan Mobley didn't look like a complete bust. So that's good news for Cavs fans. That's really good news for Kobe Altman, who is on the hot seat, because if if Evan Mobley doesn't uh, pan out, uh, he's definitely done in Cleveland, probably as a GM, for the remainder of his career. He'll still work in basketball and everything. I just I, I don't see him getting another GM job. Personally, I don't see him being fit to be GM as of right now, even with the uh, even with the Evan Mobley pick. We'll see what happens, and we got a long road till next season, so let's not hold our breath on that. Let's just enjoy the Brown season because Brown season is here, and hope for the best. So. Thank you guys for listening. This was episode three of Cleveland Sports Weekly. Once again, I will be back next Tuesday to give you episode four. So keep your eyes open for that. Thank you for listening. Take it easy, guys.